0: Hey everyone, and welcome back to the IPHO podcast. I'm Brian, and currently the Global Regulatory Affairs Fellow at Alexion, AstraZeneca Rare Disease, and I'll be hosting monthly episodes here on the IPHO podcast. My goal is to have guests on every episode that will help me provide you, the listener, with a podcast that can help facilitate professional growth and provide tools that can help you become a successful industry professional. We tackle a variety of subjects here on the IPHO podcast, ranging from preparation for mid-year to how to leverage appy experiences and so much more. I really hope you find these episodes helpful. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome back, everyone. For those who do not know who I am, I'm your new co-host, Brian Arana-Madris. I'm a Global Regulatory Affairs Fellow at Alexion AstraZeneca Rare Disease. And today, I have a very special guest, one that I've known for many years. Today joining us is Kyle Noonan. Kyle, thank you for being on the show today.
1: Yes. Hey, everybody. Thank you for having me, Brian.
0: For sure. For sure. And just for those who don't know who Kyle is, I just want to provide some background. So Kyle is currently a Health Outcomes and Market Access Fellow at Amerisource Bergen Exenda. He's originally from Rochester Hills, Michigan. He also went to undergrad at Central Michigan University and completed his PharmD, um, along with me at Mercer University College of Pharmacy in Atlanta. And for those who are kind of wondering for a fun fact, Kyle is a college wrestler. So if you have something to talk about, make sure you hit him up about that. I know he loves to talk about his wrestling. Um, So just to give you guys some context of what our conversation is going to revolve around, uh, we're going to talk to Kyle about his journey into his current role within the market access space, um, how he's kind of maneuvered the consulting area, and how pharmacy students can begin to set themselves up for this type of position moving forward. So let's go ahead and dive straight into some of these questions. Kyle, let's start with some background on yourself. What made you pursue a career in pharmacy?
1: Yeah, thanks, Brian. Um, so as you know, and uh, many of the people that uh, know me know that my interest in pharmacy really was pretty atypical um, in that I, I was in undergrad and I didn't really know exactly where I wanted to go. I didn't know what I wanted to do with my career. You know, I tossed around this idea of med school um, and nothing was feeling you know quite right and started, reached out to different uh, mentors um, that I had or, you know, people I, I knew that had went to med school and just tried to pick their brain about career paths. And uh, one of those contacts in my network actually led me to an internship at Sage Therapeutics. And that's where really everything changed. So I did a medical affairs internship in the summer of 2017. Learned a lot, really liked that you know, dynamic blend of high level science and business that the pharmaceutical industry offers. After speaking with people at the company. I found out that the best way to maybe get on a good trajectory to go to become an MSL is you need some sort of uh, clinical training. and uh, I decided quickly that at the end of that summer that I was going to pursue pharmacy school and took the peak at that fall. Uh, And that's what brought me to this, uh, where I'm at in pharmacy. So yeah, a little bit of an atypical path I took, but always had a very, very strong interest uh, in the pharmaceutical industry.
0: Yeah, for sure. Before we kind of dive into the next question, I just want to hit on a point. So you actually found out about the pharmaceutical industry before you actually got into pharmacy school. Um, that was mainly driven, you said, by your internships. Um, it was med- mainly medical affairs, as you said. Did you know about other function or was that just kind of the starting point for you um, as you began your journey uh, pursuing a degree within pharmacy?
1: Yeah, really, that was just kind of the starting point. Um, that summer, I, I was encouraged to network myself, not just uh, to get to know people, but also to get to understand different parts of the company. And so um, my, that uh, Sage Therapeutics also did like a handful of lunch and learn type things for the interns. And so that really showed me what else was out there, but not a lot of it makes sense. And so uh, as I went through pharmacy school, you know, you know that I did, you know, sort of dabble a little bit and try to look into some of these other areas, but really I found my home in medical affairs and non-market access.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. And it's interesting. um, Something that I really wanna harp on during these podcasts is just to let students know how important networking is, right? You were able to find that opportunity prior to pharmacy school, through your network, and uh, that's the uh, the something that a lot of people don't like to speak about or are very uncomfortable doing. But you just have to shake hands, kiss babies, as I love to say. Um, it's very important not only for yourself but for your professional development. So um, that's just something I want to touch on for those pharmacy students listening in. So you know, you had that experience. You went to pharmacy school. What sorts of activities were you involved in when you were in pharmacy school, and what were your major interests um, as you began that journey?
1: Yeah, so I'll, I'll tell a little bit more of my journey is that, you know, decided that medical affairs MSL was really what I wanted to do. But then when I got to pharmacy school, you know, we didn't have IPHL when we first got there. Um, and so I was still was pretty limited in my overall understanding of, of the whole sphere of the pharmaceutical industry. And so at that time as a P1 AMCP was next closely associated organization, uh, as well as as poor, but primarily AMCP. And that really got me to, uh, start thinking, you know, it's, it's awesome that we have clinical trials. It's awesome that we have MSLs that go out and, you know, talk about the data and, um, KOLs that may resonate with that data, but, um, what's it all matter if patients can't get access to it, if it, you know, if their insurance doesn't cover it. And so that was really what, uh, I have gravitated toward also, um, just trying to understand how the medication actually gets from concept you know gets through clinical trial and gets to the patient um and that you know made my interest in market access really grow
0: yeah no and that's something that i also noticed as well um you know as you know you we've known each other for some time since pharmacy school and we kind of both went on that amcp journey for those that don't know the academy of managed care um and that's how we kind of figured out oh there is an extra level to this that we're not learning about within school. So, you know, for those that don't know about AMCP, I highly recommend that. That's another area that ties in very closely within industry as well. Um, but before we dive in straight into our topic today, can you tell the listeners a little bit about the market access space? I know a lot of listeners may have questions like, what is market access? So can you kind of break it down for those that are listening?
1: Yeah, totally, you know, and this is one of those areas that even I myself took a little bit of time to understand. It it's it is kind of challenging until you see it. But the way I would describe it is and this is kind of the vanilla answer that you always hear as well, you know, it's driving uh patient access and affordability, you know, maybe not as affordability, but you know, driving patient access uh, to medications and that that sounds really great, but really what you're doing is you're interfacing with the payers, the PBMs, health systems, um, the actual, you know, payers of the medications. And so, um, what that's considered is what's called the drug channel. And so, um, it's really interfacing with those types of people. You know, I, I find a lot of parallels to, uh, medical affairs as I've gotten into my work, but, um, to kind of contrast the two is whereas medical affairs, you know, your primary audience is going to be the clinical decision makers, um, the doctors, the, the physician with the pen. Um, whereas in the market access side, your primary audience is going to be the payers, um, the people footing the bill, the people that have to make kind of those tough formulary decisions, um, or the people that are writing the prior authorizations. And so with that, um, you know, there's just some, some nuances and I will say it does work very closely with, uh, HOR departments, um, just because market access, we really rely on them a lot to, um, create some of that data, create some of that health economic information that, um, we like to add to like value propositions, um, and product, uh, value stories. And so that stuff's really crucial information. So we often work hand in hand with them. Um, but market access doesn't always do the research, doesn't do the research itself. And then, uh, another, just little caveat to market access is that comes with that, or what comes with that is, um, you know, having account managers, uh, people that are going to maintain those relationships with uh, the drug channel. Um, also, thinking about all those little things like drug distri- distribution, like how the, how the medication is going to get to the physician's office. You know, how it's going to get stored. Um, those things really play into it because the offices need to know how to bill for a claim. They need to know how to, um, you know, store a medication if it's a specialty product. They need to know how to administer the medication. And so there's also an element of market access where. Um, you're creating, you know, not you know, like AIDS, uh, not, I don't want to call them sales AIDS, but they would be like, um, infographics, brochures, things that would go in the physician's office to, um, allow their office to kind of solve those market access, uh, problems that drugs can sometimes have. Cause there's a lot of different drugs, a lot of different ways drugs get to patients. And so, um, with that, there's a ton of small nuances with each new medication.
0: Yeah, and we'll we'll touch on a little bit of those nuances and kind of how you would recommend pharmacy students going about that a little later on. But you mentioned a lot of alphabet soup, as I like to say, you know, we have some pharmacy students on the call. And I think this is a great opportunity for you to expand on some of these just so they can get it, start getting an idea of what they are and, you know, how can they research these things. So the first one that I want to talk about is PBMs, right? You mentioned PBMs, but what exactly is a PBM and what role do they play within this market access space?
1: Yeah, so uh, PBM would stand for pharmacy benefit manager. And what they're doing is they're um, primarily managing outpatient drugs. Um, you know, don't quote me on the specifics, but their their major role is going to be um, working with the insurance companies kind of as, again, these are these middlemen that they they always talk about in the media, the people that are actually um, writing the formularies, you know, doing the negotiations with the pharmaceutical companies, um, understanding their contracting and rebates, and also clinically evaluating the medications to even assess if they're um something that would get paid for um in the first place. And so um yeah, that's that's traditional or that's typically how most outpatient, you know, pharmacy drugs, if you were to go to C V S, those drugs would be managed by a PBM.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, awesome. That's I think that's a perfect way of putting it. Um I know that for me, I know you had a little bit of an idea of it going into pharmacy school, but myself and other classmates, when you hear PBMs, when you hear HUR, when you hear all these different acronyms, you're kind of lost a little bit, and it's hard to kind of identify what exactly it is. So I just wanted you to expand on that, so the pharmacy students on the call or those that are already, you know, peers of ours can kind of gravitate towards what actually is this and how do you kind of how does a pharmacist play a role within this space for sure. Something else that you mentioned, which is isn't so much alphabet soup, but it's something that if I heard as a pharmacy student. I'd I'd say, what in the world is that? And it'd be, you know, a value proposition story. So, you know, there is something that you have to go to these PBMs or these payers with. Um, What exactly would a value proposition entail when you're going to these payers or these PBMs?
1: Yeah. So yeah, it's definitely, it is what it sounds, you know, you're taking this to the, uh, to the payers to try and showcase the value of the drug and, and really pitch all the benefits. And so um, they typically follow a pretty standard outline where you're going to introduce the disease state, um, talk about the treatment landscape and talk about the unmet need, kind of setting up that stage to um, what the drug is going to fill that niche, that need that it's going to fill. And then Um, You kind of work into introducing the drug, talking about the clinical evidence, uh, efficacy and safety. Uh, And then you typically moved into talking about some of the um, health economic and, and, you know, cost offsets and outcome data. That's typically how you finish it off. And so overall, you package that up into uh, a very nice, succinct um, PowerPoint. And, you know, something I've learned just in, you know, six months of, being where I'm at as a fellow uh, with Excenda is that that stuff is—it's it, so crucial. Every word, every color, every picture—you know—it counts for something. And so, um, your goal is always just to maximize the value, kind of the most efficiently you can. So, kind of the word, the least amount of words, um, the least amount of illustration, because you're trying to get that point across in a very uh, quick and succinct manner, right? Because it, it, you know, as many of the students know, there's so much, so much research, so much. Um, just information as a whole across uh, you know, different areas that comes with a drug. And so uh, when you get with the payer, you don't, you know, you might only have 30 minutes, you might only have 15 minutes sometimes with them. And so uh, you're really just trying to, you know, hit it out of the park as quickly and as efficiently as you can uh, to try and drive home the value of that drug uh, in order to, yet favorable uh, formulary placement, I guess, would be the goal of the the pharmaceutical company on the other side of it.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's another great way of putting that. It really does make sense. And that's literally what it is. As um, we did a value proposition within uh, AMCP and we did the PNT or Pharmacy and therapy therapeutics uh, competition for AMCP. And we can talk about that a little bit later on, but I kind of want to move from the educational portion of it and go back into kind of some new, some tidbits that you want to give to the audience. And uh, my question is what first sparked your interest within market access? Was there a particular experience that led you to pursue this functional area, maybe a rotation, anything of that nature that kind of said, hey, this is kind of where I'm gravitating towards and I, I can see myself building a career within this space?
1: Yeah, you know, we touched on it earlier, but uh, it's definitely a couple of things for me. Started with my interest in AMCP. Uh, and as I got more involved, you know, I started to realize kind of there is a difference here that, you know, market access, it's it's similar um, to some things I'd experienced in the uh, pharmaceutical industry, but uh, it wasn't the same. And so um, I, I continue to talk with mentors, people in that area. And, and, you know, a lot of my interests still continue to line up with that. And so, yeah, definitely try to get Um, more exposure and more experience in that area. So, you know, continue to be very involved with AMCP, um, you know, especially at the national level, did a rotation with them, uh, and then also did a rotation with XSENDA itself, and just to try and understand uh, this market access area a little bit better. And so, um, you know, it all goes back to, to, I might have stated earlier, but just understanding that true value of drugs, um, trying to understand uh, you know, that's, that's what I really like to see. I like to, to not only understand that a drug, you know, it can do these things clinically, but we're also, um, you know, getting access to this many patients and then, uh, ultimately influencing outcomes, right? Um, that's, that's another thing that kind of, I think gets lost, um, when you're a pharmacy student is, is we get so much focus on the clinical, uh, safety and efficacy as we should, because we're being trained to be, uh, clinical decision makers, but, Uh, We also need to consider the bigger things, you know, the outcome data that and when I say that, I mean, um, I like to give this analogy, right, if a statin lowers your um, cholesterol, right, that's the efficacy data, but the outcome data is how many heart attacks did you reduce, how many strokes did you reduce, Um, things like that. And so um, that to me is really where the rubber meets the road. Uh, and where I get my most uh, enjoyment out of. And so just kind of that growing interest just continued to build throughout school and uh, ultimately led me to pursue a a role in market access.
0: Yeah, and and I think the most important part of that entire piece is that you were actively and proactively looking for these opportunities to kind of solidify what your interests are. And I I feel like a a lot of pharmacy students are, not that they're afraid or timid, it's just They feel that their their school may not offer some of these opportunities and that's where they give up. But there's a lot of opportunities, whether it's LinkedIn, whether it's IPHO, there's a lot of opportunity out there. It's really um, in the hands of the students to kind of seek those opportunities. So those that are listening, that are interested in market access, you know, don't be afraid to reach out to people on LinkedIn. Uh, The worst that can happen in a message is that they don't reply. And I learned that very, very early on in pharmacy school. Um, And that's how you set up these experiences for yourself to, in order for you to be that that well-rounded individual to land one of these these fellowships, especially in a space like Market Access and HUR, which is so many nuances, it's kind of hard to keep up with. <laughs> it's coming from a regulatory person on yep. this side, for sure. For those that don't know, um, Kyle is actually in a consulting role. So Accenda is a consulting company. Um, Was there a reason you decided to go the consulting route? Um, Is there there maybe some pros and cons that you want to share with our listeners?
1: Yeah, totally. So with that, that really came down to experiences that I did have. So uh, for those that know me, but those who don't, um, I did do a handful of different internships uh, with companies kind of. Going into pharmacy school and throughout pharmacy school. And so, um, you know, I wouldn't call myself an expert in pharma, but I I definitely felt that I had some good baseline information. You know, I've worked in medical affairs, I've seen it, um, I kind of understand what all uh, it entails. And so I I really was looking for something that I could uh, start to continue or just continue to differentiate myself in my career. And so I felt that going over to consulting um, also with uh, relying on my network, you know, talking to different people that had been in those roles um, and now are in the pharmaceutical industry, you know, it's just a resounding um, responses that you just learn so much. And I think that that's true. It it is really um, nice to kind of be this third party. Um, So like, for instance, some of the things I talked about earlier, you know, building a value proposition as a consultant, you know, we can go and test this value proposition and get, you know, blinded feedback. Um, from advisors on you know, our value proposition that we're trying to create for a company. And we can relay that back to uh, the pharmaceutical company that our client is. And so um, just already six months in, I've just learned so, so much. And I think that that's really the, the big thing that consulting brings. Um, you know, I, I can't speak for all consulting. I know that sometimes the work environments um, can differ, and so I know where I'm at, uh, things are really good. I really like uh, our work-life balance and, and kind of the culture that we have at our company. And so, um, you know, all in all, I felt welcomed at Exenda. Uh That was a place that I did do a rotation at. And so I did have some a little bit of prior knowledge, kind of got to test drive it uh, before I signed on to do a fellowship. And so um, I really did feel that it was going to be a good fit. And so uh, with that, you know, there are pros and cons. Obviously, uh, that was kind of the big, con was not being in that, you know, shiny new sports car, that pharmaceutical company. It's, it can be fun, um, to kind of have that name and, you know, deliver those therapies and, um, you know, get the benefits of being at a big pharma company, but, um, you know, there's, there's benefits and, and risks without everything. And so, um, you know, I think the other thing is that having, it's a pro and a con. I've kind of grown to like it, but I do think at a pharmaceutical company, there may be a little bit more of a a central vision you're working towards, right? If you're a rare disease company, your vision is to cure um, the rare diseases that you guys are indicated in or the products that you have on market and you're very focused in those diseases. And, you, you know, sometimes that can bleed into patient advocacy and things, um, you know, it almost becomes part of your culture when you are, you know, treating certain things. But uh, with consulting, you know, our culture is a little different because we're selling our services and it can be, I'll tell you the culture at Xena is, you know, teamwork, like, get this stuff done. Like we, we all hands on deck. We're going to make it happen. We innovate, we do all these cool things. And so um, it's different because we're selling services and not a drug product. And so some pros and cons, but with that, like, again, I really have fallen in love with this consulting thing. And and with that, I do kind of also like that um, you do get to kind of see how other companies work, how other companies function and how they think as well. Um, And just their different cultures to some degree. And so uh, overall, it is kind of fun to also be that third party and just kind of watch how things unfold around you, especially too when you're kind of getting put in that position to be um, the intermediary between like a pair and a pharma company. And so, um, you know, really liking where I'm at in the consulting spot.
0: Yeah. And, and just to touch on it, for those that may have not caught that, is just you do get a wide range of experiences as you are providing services for a plethora of different, you know, pharma companies. So you kind of get an inside scoop if, into these companies and how they work and what they're working towards. And you kind of can do a competitive analysis on what's going on in the landscape and test the waters. It's kind of another uh totally. like you said a, a test drive right in yeah, terms of like yeah. as pharma companies do i want to jump ship and how's this going to be so I, right I and it almost gives you a little bit
1: from... more um creativity if you will to some degree i don't know if creativity is necessarily the right word but um you kind of get to test your boundaries right you get to say like hey with a client like you know they come to us to to do those types of things to get a new insight to get a fresh look to kind of have some other minds think on it and so kind of gives you that flexibility to just be like okay let's try this and you know if it flops like that's why you do two or three drafts and they just tell you they didn't like it you know or they love it and so it's kind of one of those things where you're almost more inclined to take a few risks and um think outside the box even a little bit more and i, I just kind of love that um, nuance of innovation that that is harbored here especially when um, you get to do something multiple times if I, you know i might get to do in one year, three to four PVPs, and you know, by getting those value propositions positions done, you know, I I can kind of um, test the waters, get really comfortable, and then continue to push the boundaries. And so, I think that that's another added bonus when you're in consulting.
0: Yeah, one hundred percent. And as I've, ta- I've as I've said multiple times throughout this particular podcast this space there is so much nuance it's it's really hard to wrap your mind around so uh, what would be your recommendation for pharmacy students pharmacy students who are interested um, in the market access space and what can they start to to, to do to differentiate themselves i know uh, we mentioned amcp and i think that's a great starting point especially getting involved in the PT competition just to get an idea of what it actually takes to build a value proposition but, <coughs> excuse me but what are other Um, tools or things that students can do. Yeah. So um, I like to to start even a little
1: bit further upstream. I think my, my biggest recommendation, I know it's easier said than done is really just try and get your hands on some, some direct experience through internships like that. And I'm biased because that was my bread and butter, but um, you know, like that's just getting that direct experience is like so much help because it's not, for me, it was always one of those things. Like I didn't fully get it until I saw it. And so Um, just being able to see it um, is super beneficial. You know, sometimes internships are hard to come by and I will admit that, you know, they don't just um, pop up and and they're usually pretty competitive. So the next best would be like uh, industry rotations as a P4. Um, You know, that can be late in the game, but those things can be uh, super influential and still speak volumes on your resume when you go and apply. Um, Next step would be what we mentioned, just being involved in organizations, Uh, and leadership. And then really that fourth one or fourth and fifth kind of categories of like preparing yourself is um, do some self-education. Like, you know, it's, that's how the industry is. I know you know this, Brian, it's like, no one's going to tell you how to do things. and, And that goes for whatever level you're at, you know, as a fellow or as a, you know, a director, like there's no roadmap, there's no blueprint for how to do things. It's really, you got, you always have to be kind of assessing, you know, looking at the situation and building a plan for it. And so um again, there's many ways to get this, but you know network yourself with people try to understand the industry better educate yourself um you know there's there's great books out there in certain areas i p h o has great resources um that you can look into and so no one expects you to be an expert but just being able to kind of build that um you know that vocabulary just even like being able to pick up on abbreviations keywords, and seeing how people like walk and talk is is also super beneficial so um, if you do all those things, get internships, get involved, leaderships, network yourself with people, and self-educate, you know, there's no reason that you wouldn't be, you know, a top candidate by the time you get to be a P4. So, um, those are my steps to success.
0: No, nah, and I, I, I would 100% agree with you. I think no matter what functional area um, you're in, um, what it comes down to is being intentional. Looking for what you actually find interest in, and how do you leverage your network and those opportunities in order to carry you across the finish line? I know that's something that we did throughout pharmacy school, and uh, most people that, um, you know, we went to Mercer in Atlanta, and, you know, it's a great school. But there's not a lot of pharma present down there. We kind of had to be intentional about these opportunities. So um, for those that are in the South, um, especially, don't be discouraged about not having that pharma presence. It's all about what you do with your network and how do you leverage those opportunities that you actually do have. So um, just leaving that little tidbit out there for those students that are kind of feeling that pressure, you know, moving into third and fourth year um, and trying to figure out um, how to maneuver. There's still time. I had no internships. Unlike Kyle, I had no internships until my fourth year. I was lucky yeah. enough to get a couple rotations within pharma. So um, just make sure that you, you keep your, your foot on the pedal. and. Well, yeah, and one I thing I, I want to add to that really to, is just to, to it, it
1: doesn't pharma. always have to be directly, directly relevant too. it's it's always about that transferable skill. So um, this is just an easy example because it's it seems like there's more around. But like if you think you want to do something in marketing in the pharmaceutical industry, well, you know, go get some experience doing some sort of closely related marketing, some, you know, whether it was at a consulting agency, um, but as long as it's related to healthcare, those are things that you can take forward. Um, you know, there's plenty of examples, but really just you know searching uh, for those parallels because a lot of times there are parallels in you know different jobs and different things you're expected to do in the pharmaceutical industry. It's you know sometimes the content matters different, but the skill set stays the same. And so, um, you know, any way that you can also, this kind of goes forward to that interview process is any way you can talk about things that you have done um, that are similar to what you're being asked to do in the pharmaceutical industry. And and if you can show how those transfer, it shows you understand um, not only what you would be doing, but also shows that you have the skills to do those things. And so that's just another um, big tidbit that I know Brian and I discussed a lot and, you know, thought hard about when we applied for our fellowships.
0: Yeah, and that's a perfect transition into the next question that I have for you. So let's just stick on those skills really quickly. You know, some of our listeners are probably wondering, man, what skills do I need in order to be successful within market access? But what do you think are the top three soft skills that you would need to accept? Uh, Specifically
1: in market access or or consulting? So specifically,
0: specifically in
1: market access. access, um, Definitely a big one's gonna be creativity. Again, kind of going back to that, you're gonna be taking you know medical information and trying to kind of shift it in a way that's that is promotional but promotional um for the audience of a payer um oh this is a good one so other things that I would need to think about um uh, so the soft skills um collaboration is definitely another huge one just because uh you do you know every Area in pharma, it seems, you know, works cross functionally, but this one is cross functionally both internally and externally. Um, you need to talk to your reg partners, you need to talk to your medical partners, um, you need to talk to your HEOR partners internally, but also externally. Um, we are sort of multifaceted, being that the drug channel has a lot of different players in it, um, whether it's health systems, IDNs, the PBM that we talked about. You know, these are all similar healthcare decision makers, but they all have their nuances. Um, as well as maybe some of those other players in the distribution channel. Um, and so the one, you know, one more, let's see, we have cross-functional, we have creative. I need something that isn't just a C, uh, skill that I think would be really important in market access is, uh, one that comes to mind is engaging. And I'm going to kind of flex that one into, um, because that's really what you're trying to do. It's not so much that you're an engaging in your delivery, but um, you know you really got to think hard about what the uh, people on the other side of the table from you, you know, how they're going to go about it. I can tell you just in uh, my quick experience, you know, so far with excenda it's you, know, you can hear so many different ways to interpret data so many different things that um are looked at you know it, it, one player might you know think this was really important one player might not care and so um it's really just finding that well balance of how you're going to engage again in the most efficient way that you can um, and so yeah if, if i had to sum it up um my three would be uh, collaboration um, engagement and cross-functionality would be the top three skills
0: yeah, for sure. And I feel like being able to collaborate, it's a, it's a theme across all industry. Um, you just have to know how to talk to people at the end of the day. Um, you cannot do anything in pharma without your, your internal stakeholders. It's just a part of the game. I like to tell people I, I got this from someone, so I'm not going to take the credit, but um, it's really a T it's really a, a team sport. Um, in pharma, like you need the offensive line, you need the quarterback to be good. You need the receivers running good routes. Well, you need med doing their thing. You need clindev doing their thing. You need safety doing their thing. It's just, um, an all-inclusive team effort for sure. And that goes across okay. functions. Um, and we are IPHO. So it'd be a disservice not to mention your fellowship program. Um, there's a lot of market access fellowships out there. All great. How has the Acenda program been able to facilitate these professional grows that you set out before you started your fellowship?
1: Yeah, totally. The, you know, they do it on multiple levels. Um, you know, I, I could talk for a long time about it, how great Extend is, but I'll, I'll try to keep it short. And so, uh, the program's been around for a really long time, so they have a lot of experience with fellows, uh, understanding how they integrate into the company and kind of how they're going to find their role over their two years. Um, I will say one big draw was that uh, the Extend program. Um, also, we do receive uh, a master's degree from the University of Florida in uh, pharmaceutical outcomes and policy. So it's kind of like an HEOR, pharmacoeconomic concentrated um, degree that we also get to pick up. And so that's a really nice thing to uh, supplement our learning that we are, you know, seeing on the job, but also to give those letters behind your name to certify um, that you do have those skills. And so that's always nice. Um, you know. Again, the consulting aspect, that was a big thing. That was a draw for me. Um, there's tons of leadership, you know, mentorship within the company, um, really good company culture. Uh, I think along with that leadership, it, it's it's kind of, um, you know, not set up for you expected, but there's all, like this open door policy, as I'm sure a lot of companies, it's, you know, you can talk to um, really anybody kind of up or down um, the ladder that, Know, they're willing to talk to you. If you have something to talk about, if you have an idea you want to pitch, if you, you know, you just want to uh, catch up, a lot of people at this company are really willing to talk. And then uh, one thing that I really like that I, after I got on the other side and just kind of saw the inner workings is that, um, you know, the caveat that maybe people didn't pick up on is when, when Brian introduced me, he introduced me as Kyle from uh, Merisource Bergen Accenda. And so um, in the industry, we're known as Exenda. That's our consulting name. Um, but Uh, A little while ago, maybe even almost 10 years ago now, it's 10 years ago, uh, we were acquired by Source Bergen. And so uh, it's really nice to be kind of that smaller atmosphere of a small consulting company, but be under this corporate umbrella. And so there's a lot of really uh, big ongoing effort uh, within Amerisource Bergen to to keep the company aligned and um, align with all of the other consulting organizations that they have. So they also um, have companies that do things in regulatory consulting, you know, various areas, pharmacovigilance um, and different things. And so um, I say all that to say that it, it's really nice to see all the capabilities that underneath the hood and the the ways that my career could go. Um, I could really take it you know, many, many different ways. And for those that don't know Amerisource Bergen, I guess they're primarily the corporation is a drug distribu- distributor. And so they do tons of specialty drug distribution and that's actually most of their business, but um, they also have these consulting services to kind of add this end-to-end, uh, capabilities to be the uh, eventually a one stop shop for all these different pharmaceutical companies to get their uh, their needs met from you know product development in clinical trials all the way through full commercialization and distribution and so um you know all in all that has really really excited me since I've gotten here and then um the other thing is just being in that consulting environment that I mentioned earlier that was that was something that I really liked a way to uh, differentiate myself on my career trajectory and and um you know just learn as much as I can with where I'm at right now. So um really like the company. If anybody wants to talk about it I'd be happy to uh jump on a call and and uh talk about my company. Hey if
0: you get twice the applications next year do not come running to me that, that's all on you bud
1: <laughs> hey we could <can> only hope
0: <laughs> yeah no for sure so um we spent a lot of time talking about market access throughout the episode is there anything that you want to leave our viewers with um that you didn't get a chance to speak about it could be anything from personal to professional just something that you would really want our audience to know
1: uh i'll leave it on this note and say that um you know, just put yourself out there, really, like Brian and I kind of harped on these things about, you know, just, just networking yourself, like, try, you know, looking at these different positions, trying to educate yourself, just really, really put yourself out there. And I want to say it's for, you know, I want, I'm not going to say it's never too early to start, but there's a lot of students that feel like they're really late in the process. And um, when you become a P4, you'll see maybe some different peers that, um, you know, you'll realize that some people do really wait and some people can make it work, and um, so you know. Again, I wouldn't wait until you're a P4, but you know, if you feel like you're a P3, or even sometimes I hear P2s like, "Oh my gosh, I haven't," you know, started getting involved or doing these things. You know, that it's really not too late. And so, um, you know, my advice is really just put yourself out there, network, uh, talk to people, um, and really prepare. And you know, give it your all, and you should be able to make it in into- into a fellowship or at least pursue the the goals that you would like to pursue within the pharmaceutical industry. So uh, yeah, that's it for me. Yep.
0: Yep. And I I say that, I think I said that every single episode. So hopefully by now all the listeners are like, we get it, Brian, we have to network. (laughs) Yes. Network, 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 it's huge. So um, with that being said, this brings us to the conclusion of this episode of the IPHO podcast. I hope the audience got some insight into the market access space, but as well as the consulting space and the capabilities that you are afforded while you're in a position like this. Again, special thanks to Kyle. Uh, My Kappa Psi brother, my line brother, um, a lot of respect to you. Thank you so much for uh, joining us and kind of blessing me with your time. I know uh, it's it's a busy time right now (laughs) in industry. So uh, thanks. And until next time, folks, signing off, Brian, y'all have a great day.